eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Because there's never an off day in the greatest sports city on earth. Here are the the biggest biggest stories and everything else you need to know from the new Titletown. It's Breaking Boston with Andy Hart. Good morning, Breaking Boston, August 29th. It's a Tuesday, and it is not a good morning. I look out my window, and it is a gray day in the greater Boston area. And while it is the Jimmy Fun Telethon Day at WEEI, which makes it a great day, it's unfortunately also the day that we have chosen here at Breaking Boston, where we lead off every morning with a short podcast about the biggest story in Boston sports, Today, I'm going to deem it official, something we've touched on up and down a variety of times throughout the summer. The Red Sox season is over. The Red Sox lose 13-5 to to the Houston Astros. Jose Altuve hits for the cycle. Yep, the little guy hit for the cycle. Even the guy who doesn't really hit home runs anymore got the home run he needed to hit for the cycle. And the Boston Red Sox are, in my opinion, officially done d-u-n or d-o-n-e don't really care how you spell it they are it because this was their chance this was their pivotal stretch of games we've joked about it uh on a variety of different platforms on weei but this was yet again pivotal Ooh, you get to play the astros and then the dodgers and then the astros good teams let's make something happen or let's not let's split with the astros let's lose the series to the dodgers and let's get off on the bad start to losing the series to the Astros once again. Red Sox are now 5.5 games out of the wild card, I believe. I believe that was my latest check. They are, well, who cares what they are out of the uh, East. They are uh, falling, not quite like a stone, because I guess the Yankees are a stone. So I think what the Red Sox maybe are, that old trick where a physics professor would drop two things off a building, one would be a bowling ball and one would be a feather. The Yankees were the bowling ball. They crashed to earth. And the Red Sox were the annoying effing feather because they are falling towards earth. They're not floating or they're not flying. They are falling. But everyone's, yeah, they tease you. Every little once in a while, there's that little, but every one of those is followed by what? A down. 
back and forth, back and forth. And now they're getting closer to the ground. That voice you hear is producer friend Cooper Leonard, who I believe, Cooper, you had you had the uh, pleasure, uh, displeasure, um, agony, honor of being at Fenway Park last night for the conclusion of the Red Sox chances this season. How how about that? Uh, I feel like as as a Red Sox fan at heart, I died for many Red Sox fans since last night. It was my birthday. Oh, I met dead. the girlfriend's parents for the first time. Quite a night. Uh, yeah, no, it was it was it was a lot for her birthday. It was quite a lot. Uh, Jose Altuve hitting. It, I mean, absolutely. He's a short guy. I'm a short guy as well. You're a short guy, so it's tough to hate on him. And it, you see him make plays in the field. People are still booing him. I wanted to pick your brain on that. But are you over it? I'm over it. Are you over the whole cheating thing? Well, your manager was part of it, and we play in Boston, where Bill Belichick built a dynasty that included multiple scandals. You can tell me how bad they were, what they were, whatever, but the rationalization of cheating, (laughs) true. And and even going back to, like, Red Arbach, like, one of the great gamesmanship slash cheaters whatever of all time historically it's part of sports move on move everything so just just move on they were punished they've dealt with the public outcry against them but as you said your manager was part of it and i still firmly believe and this is a side topic for a different day on a longer podcast they were the tip of the iceberg they were the sacrificial lamb whatever i think other teams were doing it in a variety of ways i think that was quite obvious at the time. It's right. well beyond doubt that most teams were doing right. something at this point. So it's weird to point the finger. But to that point, it was another, you know, we came off the Dodgers series. I think a lot of people have now heard that, yeah. you know, the Dodgers fans, they traveled really well that series. And it might not have been fully welcome back praise from Mookie right. that first night. It was probably half, we love Mookie bets, he's our guy. And then it's the other half is like, oh, welcome back, I guess. And it that carried through. There were a ton of Astro fans at Red at Fenway Park last doing? night. Almost called it. I Red can't Sox have you team. on anymore. That's, that's be doing a weird anything. look. That's an outer towner look. That's how broken my brain is now. But I mean, the thing is, it's just like it felt dead. Fenway Park felt that it felt like football season. It felt like the Patriots were right around the corner. Uh, they're not going to be too well either. But it it was the nail in the coffin. If you watched last night and you saw a random guy on the mound named. Barraclough, that's how you actually say his name, B-A-R-R-A-C-L-O-U-G-H. Whole lot of letters on that name. Don't really have to worry about pronouncing it because he's going to get DFA'd by Bloom. He was just a service time manipulation. The Red Sox arms did not have it last night. Almost every pitcher in the staff is under a pitch count restriction since everyone's hurt, except for Brian Bayo, who is your rookie starter. So he's now leading the the starting staff and the entire pitching staff. So Byroclaw was up there as kind of a sacrificial lamb for Heim Bloom to actually get these underdogs to the other side of what is going on with pitching woes right now at the bullpen. So all in all, it was a recipe for disaster. It was if you take that approach going into a game where it's meaningful for trying to pivot and really make that playoff push push. I think that's you pushing your chips in and just saying, hey, this yeah, is Yeah, and uh, I think the team has even acknowledged it. They brought up uh, Rafaela. How do you say his first name? The touted. Uh, the yep. 
Uh, Sedane, um, Sedane Rafaela out of Carousel. Yep. Uh, number three prospect for the Red Sox got a hit in a trash bag oh, game. Oh, come on. Uh, I actually left that. at that now point. You can't so say I was you saw his head. Yeah. Yeah. But well, I'm sorry ball. for the score you being You never know what you're going to see. It's sports. I, I, it's unscripted. Now, when he goes on to hit 3,000 hits, you can't say I was there when it all began. Shame on you. I wasn't there to take the ball off the field yes. and hog it to um, myself. And but no, I think that is a. Um, appropriately yeah. symbolic event from last night is Rafaela playing. It's like, okay, time to really turn the page toward next year, towards whatever things are going to be in the future with the young players, the prospects, the roster. Cause I know like, like Adam Duvall hits a home run. Oh, great. You know, great. That's awesome. Su- super. That has nothing to do oh, with awesome. where the Boston Red Sox are going to be or supposedly going under high and bloom. And that's, I agree with you. It feels like football season. It feels like this was their last ditch effort or last ditch chance. I'm not even sure they got the effort last ditch chance to do something in the standings and retain the interest of the Boston sports fan. And now you didn't, you couldn't you, and, and it shouldn't be surprising though. Those people that honestly believed, I mean, Rich Keefe asked me on his show and He's a bit of a sock sniffer, as I call them, because he now hosts the pregame show. So I feel like he's in that world a little bit. The the green teamers and those people that see things through a certain shade of sunglasses. But he's like, yeah. Hey, Brian, Brian Barrett, God bless. Well, his no, he, he is. I, I wouldn't put him. In he's an analytical guy that he I see his latest sniffer. Brian Barrett, old friend of W.E.E.I. Yeah. Um, all over the starting pitching and the difference between the starting pitching over the second half of the season, the Red Sox and the Seattle Mariners and everything that's gone on there. But the reality is this is who the Red Sox have been. The feather analogy that we stumbled into is accurate. They were always falling towards earth. They never took off. I mean, I guess there was a slight stretch, but that, as you said, was just a really good uptick of wind. And then it comes back. Together. July was fun. July was so much fun. And, and to give them to give them a ton of credit in the world, I didn't expect them to go to the end of August being competitive. Yeah. I would have figured they would have been along the lines of the Yankees. Like the Yankees is what the Red Sox probably should have been this year where it was just kind of like, yeah, but it, they'll hang around maybe. But at, once it hits August, once it hits the deadline and you do nothing, this team should bottom out. And well, Boone gave them enough of one month to to get things done and Look where they are now. I, I think the real question now becomes who's going to be added to this team in the offseason. You know, you have Yamamoto in Japan that's been tearing it up, and he might become the the pitcher to bring in. But it's it, it really is kind of a question of where does this team go now? Because you look at the Baltimore Orioles, and they're now kind of ascending into this right. two- to three-year streak that they can have. They won't spend on their guys most likely. But it, it really is is. Well, Marcelo Meyer, he's coming up next year. Are you going to start building around him now in this offseason? Are you going to wait because he just got hurt and he was at Fenway as well this weekend with all the fans welcoming Mookie? So it it, it really is an impasse now, and it feels like every offseason has been an impasse where it's, well, what road do we want to go down? And I have a feeling it's going to be a lot similar to this past offseason where it, it, there aren't a lot of free agent guys out there. You have Otani which is going to be the big name that everyone's kind of like circling around, but not a lot of teams are going to be on. But he's also not that guy that you're trying to build that team around for the future. So it's going to be 
as a fan, you should be looking at complementary pieces, guys on the outside. That's what Bloom always goes for to kind of build around guys like Devers, Marcelo Meyer, now Sedane Raphael. We're going to get to see him for the end of the season, see if he can be a legitimate piece that you do build around or if he's going to be one of those guys that you used to build around guys like Devers. So I don't it's no, I don't know. It's really I accepted bad. death today, about a month ago. Today is dead and so buried. good it's has over. been great. Turn yeah. the page. Life without the Red Sox for the foreseeable future. And I, I hate the way you paint the picture of the offseason. I hate it. I was hoping that maybe in this weird world where lessons were learned and the New York Yankees and the San Diego Padres and the spenders learned their lesson that you can't spend your way, blah, blah, blah. I was hoping that might inject life into the Red Sox spending to go counterculture. Okay, other big market teams are going to pare down their spending. Maybe it's time to actually turn up our spending. And if that's not the case, it will be infuriating because it'll be another year of, eh, maybe they are good enough and maybe they did enough and maybe the young players are getting closer to being ready and maybe, 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 maybe. And I hate maybes. I like, I'll be honest. I like starting the year thinking I have a chance and I, I, I don't, I don't know. It certainly wasn't the case this yeah. year in, in Boston. I don't know that it'll be the case next year. I'll be honest. It's not the case in Foxborough as we turn the page to football, as you noted and football season being here. I mean, people, I think even honest fans, I think are saying, well, things go right. They could probably win 10 games, go 10 and seven. And that's just the, Unfortunate world of mediocrity that has settled into Boston sports, certainly for the Red Sox, certainly for the Patriots. And as you and I joked before we were coming on here recording, all the eggs right now, I think, are in the basket called Boston Celtics because you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, two young superstars to build around. And you're hopeful that the continued ascension of Eastern Conference Finals, NBA Finals, Eastern Conference Finals, at some point you chip, chip, chip away. And that's a title because otherwise. Uh, Andy, quick question. Uh, yes, they got uh, Christoph Porzingis. Unfortunately, he may have a bad foot. Yes. Okay. Did they spend on anyone else? Uh, Jalen Brown. Might have been sizable, people would say. Yes. Is okay. Oh, okay. So uh, spending. Well, I don't know if it makes, makes you a, a top team, team, but spending okay. can be part of the Just process that sure. either builds or keeps you there. And the economics. And as we wrap up this edition on a Tuesday, August 29th of Breaking Boston, we will touch on the idea of finances with Bill Belichick telling WEEI in the morning on the Greg Hill show yesterday that basically you can't spend a lot of money and have sustained success in the NFL. I don't know whether that's true or not, because he had sustained success, not because he didn't spend, but because he was a great coach and he had the best quarterback in the league for 20 years. That is why he had sustained success. Any other aspect of what he believes his successful plan was is poppycock. I would love to see if the Patriots had spent a lot over time. I think they still would have done well because I think they still would have had the best coach and I think they would have had the best quarterback. And I think when you start with the best coach and the best quarterback, you're a contender for the Super Bowl every year. And I would use example A is not the Patriots because they're not that anymore. I would use the Kansas City Chiefs who are now the best team in football because they have the best quarterback and the best coach and pieces change around spending changes around. Oh, Kelsey's getting paid. He's not getting paid. Tyreek Hill's not getting paid. He's going elsewhere. You have the coach, you have the quarterback, you win. The financial plan is secondary to that. And I would also say Bill Belichick's learning the back end of the lesson. You can be fiscally responsible if you want, 
if you don't have the quarterback, you're mediocre. You're stuck in year four of the bridge years post Tom Brady. So uh, this is turning into a Andy rant against hating the finances of all sports because I hate to you hear excuses about business models and plans and caps and anything else. Do your job, get good players, and win games. It's simple, or at least it seems simple from where I sit.